Hey, it's Bethany and Bethany, and this is the Kegel Chronicles podcast, the show where we talk about pelvic health, women's health, mom life, and a lot about sex. It's definitely one of our favorite topics. You'll hear from us, two pelvic health experts and the owners of Arkansas Pelvic Health, and interviews with other powerful women and dudes that support us. Welcome back to the Kegel Chronicles podcast with Bethany and Bethany. Today, we have an outstanding guest. His name is Dr. Anath Ranganathan. We call him Rango. Dr. Rango. Dr. Yeah. Rango. Absolutely. Perfect pronunciation. Right? Thank you. I worked really hard on it. I did. Good. Your wife taught me how to say it. She does a good job. She does. <laughs> I'm glad, glad she knows. Glad she knows how to say it. So Dr. Renko today got to pick his topic, and he picked racial disparities within healthcare, especially women's health. So he's an obstetrician gynecologist at Arkansas Women's Center and sees women of all races, all ages, and wanted to bring in the disparity that has been known for a few, I think longer, but really popular in the past few years. People are starting to dig in and realize what is happening and why and make changes. Yeah, I think with all of my patients, you know, kind of when you go through like the roadmap to their pregnancy, which is what we usually do with their first visit, we'll kind of walk through everybody's journey and their pregnancy. And there's always the unique conversation that, that I've kind of tried to make a commitment to bringing up with all of my black patients mm-hmm. that you have a three times higher likelihood of dying during childbirth or postpartum recovery. And there's really Just pause there. Three to four times more mm-hmm. likely yeah. if you're black that you die yeah. during childbirth. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Literally insane. And it's, it's, it's a humbling topic to try to bring up with someone who's come to you to try to talk to you and be like, hey, you know, I want to meet my doctor and see who's going to take care of me during my pregnancy. Because when you bring this topic up with them, you're not telling them this statistic exists and I'm so glad you're with me because then it won't because it still exists. Right. I'm not like speaking it into, I'm not like shedding light on this and then so that this is no longer an issue for this person. Right. This is shedding light on something that is without a doubt going to impact them. Mm-hmm during the course of their pregnancy. So, I mean, talking about it helps, but then, you know, where do you really go from there? Right. Is their first question like, why? Or do they just automatically assume? It's a little, it's, it's, it's also like, it kind of blows me away sometimes people's response. It'll go either from like utter shock, but the vast majority of people, they're not surprised. Right. That's because it's not, the, it's not the only aspect of their life that like systemically ingrained racism right. has yep. been impacted. And, you know, they've seen it. Mm-hmm firsthand right. for their entire yeah. life so it's you know why would this why would this not be here and I tell them the same thing like you've probably experienced this to some certain degree where you know biases that exist have impacted you and what your life experience is so why right. would I think medicine's any above or better than mm-hmm. any other aspect of your life you know buying a house or yeah police whatever. Yeah. Mortality, or, yeah. yeah or whatever aspect of your life that's been impacted by that, why are doctors any better or nurses or medicine in general? Why is that above the rest of society? It's not. And this is what it's proving. Right. And I think acknowledgement is the very first step, which you're doing, acknowledging it with them and doing your best to change that statistic by acknowledging it. But you mentioned um, buying a house. That is so interesting to me. I've read so many stories how people are trying to sell their house. They Like a black family is trying to sell their house. They'll take down the pictures of their family and put up their white friends' pictures and the house has a better evaluation or what do you call that when they... The appraisal? Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Um, and so, I mean, if that's not mind-blowing, not to mention how we know that um, black people are affected more by police brutality and things, mm-hmm. but it's in healthcare also, yeah. and we have to fight the statistics. So we're all here in women's health and doing our best to change that, and part of it's acknowledging and yeah. educating. Yeah, and it's it's nice to talk to somebody on a one-to-one basis, but I think the big thing I always stress them is like through that conversation, like now that you know this, when you go in and you're in labor or after you have your baby or you're two weeks out after that and you feel like your blood pressure's up, you know, don't, and, and you, if you feel like something's wrong, something's probably wrong. Yeah, right. Assume that something is actually wrong. And when you, if you, if you're in the hospital and you feel like I'm bleeding too much, my pain isn't being addressed, mm-hmm. it's probably because your bleeding is too much. And no, it isn't being addressed. Yep. And that's what the statistics have shown us, so. I mean, Serena Williams. Yeah was like something is not right like one of the world's most famous famous athletes has her delivery and she's like something's not right and they were not listening to her and she's a famous person yeah and so they're saying like socioeconomic status education mm-hmm. level all those things don't change it so yeah. we're not talking about someone who doesn't know what's going on yeah. if you know or don't know black women are still dying here yeah. Yeah. and why i mean when i when you i look into it i dug in a lot cuz i'm a very like evidence-based person for practice but also because I'm a curious human and just like to know things and it blew my mind these little kind of calculations that you get in PT school like oh if they're uh, a man that's in their 40s and they smoke and they have sharp abdominal pain you're thinking aortic aneurysm you know these things and I remember learning about endometriosis and that it occurs more in white women than black women and I just remembered that and you know it's in evidence and then probably like two years ago when there's a huge Black Lives Matter movement. I didn't want to just like deny anything because I think people, things can be ingrained to them they don't realize. And so I was like, am I racist? And no, I don't think I am, but I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in and, and study more and learn more. And I realized that even the evidence that I've read is racist itself. Are, are, do white women have endometriosis more or were black women not included in the studies? Mm-hmm. And so it made me dig in and really open up my eyes. And through that time, I realized that the number one reason black women die, usually when it's mortality, is preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that kind of changed our practice and we're taking blood pressures every mm-hmm. time they come in yeah. postpartum and things like that because you follow up with a pediatrician often mm-hmm. for your yes. child and you follow up with your OB maybe one time um, but there's a, a big gap there so how can we start to change some of that yep. gap yeah. and just listening to people and telling them you know no they're not going to think you're silly just go you know if something's wrong they'll tell you because I think there's also this um, built-in distrust of the healthcare system yeah. mm-hmm. for a reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, so talk about talk about that. Maybe the the father of modern gynecology. Well, I mean the the what you just said. You know the ingrained distrust in the medical community that exists. I mean it exists because I mean the, the fact that it exists is the reason why we're having this right. topic mm-hmm. of discussion. Like we wouldn't have this podcast. We wouldn't have this particular episode be centered around healthcare disparities and poor outcomes and, and OB care, if that distrust wasn't rooted in actual truth for them. Mm-hmm. Like right. it's not rooted in misinformation or right. anything like, right. yeah, if you have a four times higher likelihood of dying because you're black, uh, there's there's a reason to distrust that system right. because you're yeah. walking into a flawed, broken place right. that is not gonna serve you as well as if you look like somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same as I think um, Lindsay 
she walked into a grocery store with her work backpack on, had her computer on, and it literally said, no backpacks, yeah. and she did it anyway. Well, she's a white woman, and no one questioned her mm-hmm. at all. Um, and she was like, I, I really need, I did use my privilege then. I needed to keep my backpack with me because I think it had some things with her that, you know, yeah. if someone got it, it would be a really bad thing. But she was like, that's also wrong that I didn't get stopped as a mm-hmm. white woman walking through a store with a backpack when that's the rules. And just the racism everywhere yeah. um, and just addressing it head on, especially in healthcare, I think yeah. it really matters. I think it's really interesting because I had firsthand experience, you know, watching my daughter be born of her birth mom we waited so so long for her to have an epidural versus when I had my delivery it was given to me almost immediately and I know that people can be busy but I can't help but think like is it because she's a black woman like and she was probably wondering that too like she, she probably like, had the same thought. She asked me multiple times, but then where where are they? And yeah. I, I was like, I'm about to <laughs> lose yeah. it. So I was roaming the halls like, excuse me, is anyone here an anesthesiologist? Yeah. So that, like, we're in labor and she is hurting and she has asked multiple, multiple times. Um, and I I have such an interesting um, thought process in all of this because I have my sweet Charlotte and I have my older boys who have firsthand watched like when we were in the ERs, like our, it was our turn and we weren't served first. Yeah. And I was like, excuse me, these are my kids. And I, do I have to say that for us to be taken back? No. It's um, this topic like really hits home for me because I yeah. am teaching, I, I will teach Charlotte how to advocate for herself because I shouldn't yeah. always have to be present just because she's black yeah. to like get the health care that she needs. Like we're not going to do that. And also, you know, teaching Samuel, your white son, yeah. and my white boys and my white daughter to use their privilege yes. to advocate for black people. Yeah. So, I mean, we can't help their skin color, mm-hmm. but we're going to use that privilege to advocate for other people. Yeah. But it's sad that we have to do that. It is. Like, yeah. Absolutely. We shouldn't have to do that. I'm going to say the same thing at the end of that conversation with every one of these patients is I look I really look forward to the day when we don't have to have this conversation. Yeah. But this was yes, like this is a great talk that we had and I'm yeah. glad that we were able to have this. Yeah. But it's embarrassing that I even had to bring this topic up. Yeah. It's a like it sounds like a sick joke, but it's Yeah. It's not. So the the distrust that's kind of ingrained I think is kind of rooted back into how gynecologic procedures started. Um there was falsely, they believed that black women couldn't feel pain and white women could. And so the procedures were practiced on black women, likely without consent, without pain medication. And then he um, he kind of perfected those procedures and then performed them on white women with pain medication, which is very racist. And I think he said that like, black women don't feel as much pain, but also they were his slaves. And I can't imagine the type of trouble you would get into if you're screaming or not consenting to someone, something that your slave owner was trying Mm -hmm. to do. I mean, it had to be a survival tactic, Mm -hmm. but then that was applied across all black women. Mm -hmm. You don't feel pain. We're not going to listen to you if you're in pain. And the line gets fed to a lot of women in general, too. just in general, even branching outside of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. People just get told, oh, that's not really innervated. You know, there's not, you're not going to feel much with that. I'm like, oh, okay. 
no, that's right. That's bullshit. Yeah. Well, even going to like ERs, usually men are given pain medication yep. and quicker than women are getting addressed, and they're given sedatives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, calm your mind. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's women in general, but then particularly black women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I left when I I got a vasectomy and left with a prescription for thirty oxycodone five milligram tablets. Nice. <laughs> Like, I was not really. I was awake for this entire procedure, <laughs> and people leave the hospital after having a vaginal delivery, and you can get six Percocet. Get, get your yeah. get your eight hundred milligram ibuprofen tablets, and you know, like, yeah, you yes. rock out with that. Yeah, that stuff, <laughs> man. Oh, that's good. Me too. Even in like birth control it's studies, normal. it's yeah. normal. Yeah, yes. you're a woman. It's normal. But even yeah. in like birth control studies, you know, we have tons of options for women for birth control, and. Yeah. Um, some might say a woman can only cut, carry one child a year, but how many children could men contribute to, you know, create right. in a year? So, so many. I'm, I'm just going to say I probably wouldn't trust a man to take birth control at this point in my <laughs> life anyway. But, but the male studies for birth control were stopped for side effects such as <laughs> fatigue, <Yeah>. nausea, <laughs> moodiness. Huh. Like, oh, just huh. the, the normal. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, not anything major, just stop. Right. So it's just interesting, the disparities with, you know, women in general, but then obviously we're talking about black yeah, women today. Yeah. Yeah. He has so many thoughts. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. want to hear, so we want to hear more of them. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Male birth control would probably be a really good thing. There's, you know, condoms and vasectomies and you leave it at that. So. Yeah. yeah. So talk, talk to us about like the Tuskegee um, syphilis study. I mean, which might be contributing to another reason yeah, why. I mean, it's kind of like the seed that was planted that's grown into this like horrible tree that we have right now that's like distrust in the medical community where black people were exposed to syphilis, not treated, and you had a group of white patients that were treated, and you see the effects of secondary and tertiary syphilis through a group of people that were all neglected mm-hmm. in terms of a treatment arm in a study, and so that you know, that study bore out the results that it did, and now there's this medical information about tertiary syphilis. Right. Um, but white but, people weren't in that yeah, control Yeah, white people weren't in that. It was yeah. just the black people in the study. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you have things like that that grandparents reference when they talk to their grandkids mm-hmm. or to their kids about it, and they say, you can't trust these people. This is what they did. This isn't This isn't 2,000 years ago. No. No. That's so, what still blows my mind. Like, it, it really, none of this stuff was really that long ago. No. We're still actively in that stage where people, honestly, it makes sense that they distrust distrust the medical system, but we have to change it because I do think it can be changed. I don't think that, as a, I don't know, a comorbidity doesn't have to be your race. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's right. racism, and we can change that. Yeah. Um, but I do think it starts with acknowledging it and talking to the patient about it and encouraging them that you are on their side yeah. and you want mm-hmm. what's best for them, and there's no person more than you as their provider that wants a better outcome mm-hmm. for them. Well, it's just something you were talking about with Charlotte. Yeah. You tell her, advocate for yourself. Yes. It's the same thing we tell our patients. Advocate, advocate for yourself. You're walking into a flawed system, mm-hmm. recognize the flaws, operate better within them. Mm-hmm. Like if you knew that every time this light turned green, that you had a five times higher chance of getting T-boned when you were going through that light. Mm-hmm. You'd probably tell somebody to stop for about 10 seconds, wait, look, advocate for yourself not having this bad outcome right here, right. and operate, you know, and go, then, then, then go forward. Right. But if somebody doesn't know that statistic, then, you know. Yeah, they're just going through the light each time without yeah. thinking about it. So, 
Yeah. I will now stop a few more seconds. I did not know that. I don't. I, I think I don't he know. made that up as an example. But uh, but like <laughs> I'm saying, but that's like that. Yeah, yeah. That thought process is I'm like interesting. You probably that is. That yeah. Is the more information you know, yep. the more you'll you know just acknowledge and take note and yeah. maybe yeah. find someone to help support you or maybe and advocate even for mention you. that to your three friends that are also pregnant that you're like oh well we had this conversation at my doctor's office today do you know this no i didn't well now they do yeah so yeah, yeah. that's good yeah. Word of mouth. yeah okay so circling back to pain physical therapist us yes we always say it's a really big big red flag for us so when patients come in you know, a lot of people are in pain when they see us, but there's sometimes there's pain out of proportion to what we're feeling, and we'll yeah. always like send them back to the doctor. So talk about that. Circle back to pain as a red flag in medicine, and maybe levels of pain. Well, there's always that like stereotypical one to ten or mm-hmm. zero to ten. Right. One the face is smiling and ten the head's exploding. Yeah. And at some point in there, where are you? Are you at the point where? your face looks uncomfortable or are you at the point where your face is exploding? It's really subjective. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's, I think the one to 10 pain scale thing means nothing. Right. You know, there's yeah. patients that are like, where's your pain? It's at a 10. I'm like, you're sitting here having a conversation. You're not with in the ER. Right. You're in 10, and I always wonder but, when they say 10 and they're just like chilling like yeah. that. I'm like, okay, probably someone's gassing yeah, them like, about pain before. Mm-hmm. I'm, I believe that you're in yeah. severe pain. Yeah. Uh, and and just roll with that because yeah. to me like my 10 out of 10 pain is like oh no I'm having an aneurysm in my brain yeah. um you know and so I would probably get emergent care but some people they want you to believe them right. well, and so the they'll give you a weird number so many times that their pain is not going to be listened to or they're going to just be ignored completely they're like well I'm hurting at a four but if I say eight I'm probably more likely to get attention because again the statistic shows you black people are less likely to receive prescriptions mm-hmm. or when they're inpatient less likely to receive pain medication yeah. when they need it or when they're requesting it if they have an as-needed medication they're gonna have to wait longer to get it right. or be less likely to be given it based right. on their pain Do you score feel so like maybe, that's because of the insurance that they have like that's like Medicaid for instance I mean that's what that's what my daughter's birth mom had and I felt like we we had to jump through so many more hoops to get her what she needed yeah and and part of it is you know yeah patients with Medicaid the the level of documentation that needs to exist in order to be able to something as simple as a tubal if a patient wants a tubal after their delivery and they thought about that and they realized that when they were about 37 or 38 weeks along and they sign tubal consents when they are 38 weeks and they're having a scheduled C-section at 39 weeks, you can't do the tubal at the time of their 39-week C-section because you needed to have 30 days on the consent between the time that they signed it and the time that they decided that they wanted to go through with it. It's insane. But the reason that that exists is for, when you go back to the modern father of gynecology, when you go back to, you don't even have to go back that far. You can go back to southern states, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, where Black women would go in and say, well, I want, a t- I want a tubal at the time of my C-section. Well, what they would receive would be a cesarean hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. And they were just doing procedures on patients sans consent, which is assault. But they would do that to practice procedures. And that wouldn't be on, that's not going to be on your private insurance patient that comes in that these, I feel like, yeah. I mean, mine would have happened at time of service. When they asked yeah. me, like, if I wanted a tubal, they would have just done it. Yeah, because of they the- would have done it then because it would have been able to just bill through your insurance and say, yeah. okay, well, the patient wanted a tubal. 
but they have to have these safety nets that are built into the system to protect the patients from pitfalls in medicine. Do you feel like so. that, I mean, I like safety nets. I know they're there for a reason, yeah. but sometimes insurances are like my nemesis because yes. there's someone who's not medically trained telling you, oh, we're following this protocol. And again, yeah. me being a nerd, the last peer-to-peer I had to have, they're like, well, according to these guidelines, it's like those were revoked in 2017. And they're like, oh, okay. I mean, they just pull stuff yeah. out and it's not a medical person or they peer-to-peer me with like an anesthesiologist who yeah. I'm sure is brilliant, knows nothing about vaginas. But it's not a nothing. peer. Yeah, like right. you, we don't have the same license. We need a, we need a yeah. physical therapist when we're doing yeah, this. Yeah, you should have a pelvic floor physical therapist yeah, peer-to-peer review thing. I had a peer-to-peer with, a, it was an anesthesiologist too, and he was asking me about cervical cancer screening guidelines. I'm like, Do you know the guidelines? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you asking me to cite the guidelines to you during this, not because right. you're quizzing me on them, because you literally don't know them. Yeah. That's why you're asking me yeah. this right now. But so. I, I do like some safety nets. I think they're there for a reason, yeah. but... But some like that doesn't even make sense. She's already having a surgery on the table, yeah. so you know now she has to wait how long to get that again, which is another yeah. recovery, it's a whole other surgery with a newborn. Yeah. And who has time for that? Yeah. And if she doesn't, yeah, then guess where she might be in a year? Back exactly. in your office, pregnant right back again. In office pregnant exactly. Yeah. Okay. So how do we change this? What are we supposed to do? I think conversations like this are important. Uh, they're happening with two white women and an Indian doctor in a room right now. Yeah. So maybe reaching a target audience through a listener, but not necessarily like this conversation, but having this conversation continually with patients that, that are in the demographic is yeah. something that needs to continue. And also those conversations going from there and going back to their community, back to their friends, back to their family members and spreading that. And also having this conversation with other providers. Mm-hmm. That yeah. you know, I had this convers I've had this conversation with uh, an ex colleague, and they honestly they just they didn't believe it. Mm. And that you show show them the entire study, and they look at it and they're like, "No, this is this is bullshit. I don't I don't right. believe that. I don't treat anybody any different, whether they're black, white, or whatever." Right. And I mean, in that setting right but there. But should you? Right. Shouldn't right. you treat someone differently if they're black yeah, and they have a higher like, chance of dying from yeah. preeclampsia? Yeah. Let's get some more checkups yeah. for them. Yeah. Don't, like, it's like that whole thing where people are like, well, I don't see color. Well, you probably should. Acknowledge yeah. it and like, make decisions yeah. based yes. on yes. it. Yeah. Color exists. Like, color right. exists. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and we're trying to be, I guess, like more outward in our support of black people. Like, I think people know that we support black people and women yeah. in general, but like we have this picture that you commented on with different skin tones in yeah. it, and we post things on our Instagram mm-hmm. about Black Lives Matter and black women are dying more in childbirth more. We have satin pillowcases at the yeah. request of one of our black patients because wow, she said awesome. we do. our pillowcase was absorbing the oil in her hair and requested satin. So we got some and we 100%. pull them out whenever we have black patients because it helps their hair better. So just acknowledging and making small changes like that where they know you're That's listening. That's such a small detail that the fact that y'all followed through on that, mm-hmm. A, I really want to go do that in our clinic now. Yeah. Uh, and B, the way that that probably just made her feel more comfortable mm-hmm. and trust y'all more. Not that she probably already didn't, but yeah. I mean, that's just I mean, small things like that can yeah. make that a big difference. That does a lot for Charlotte's hair. Yeah. I know that much. Yeah. I Amber mean, just with a satin pillowcase. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, curly hair. Yeah. Curly hair. So I do. Um, yeah, but just small changes like that and listening even to those minor details, which seems minor in yeah. a in the grand scheme, to know that you care and you're listening to the details. Those are the things that we're trying to do and, and educating and using our platforms to educate. Yeah. So this is um, Dr. Anath Ranganathan, and he's at Arkansas Women's Clinic. 
Um, he is always accepting new patients, all insurances, doesn't care about the insurance. So we know there's a stigma sometimes with Medicaid. We don't care. He actually, when we paused it a second ago, he goes, I don't give a shit if they have Medicaid. So he there you have it. There it is. Um, and so yeah, so if you need a gynecologist, if you need an obstetrician, you just heard a lot about him and he'll be back for a part two where we're going to do some Q and A. So send those to our DMs on, on Instagram. And from a personal standpoint, he helped take care of me and I had a very dramatic pregnancy and he's a phenomenal physician. Yep. Phenomenal. Love it. Now she got me misty eyed. Misty eyed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back for part two. Send us your questions and thanks for joining us today.